If the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. God wants to finish the story. And the very thing that we would love, He enfolds in Himself all that would bring joy and life and peace to us. Welcome to Keep the Main Thing, a podcast of sermons and messages from Pastor Leland Evenson. I'm Mark Evenson. Today's sermon from Pastor Lee is titled, Learning to Live in Debt. It certainly does not sound like a talk you would get from Dave Ramsey or Susie Orman, but Pastor Lee, of course, is talking about a different kind of debt. Using the epistle lesson from that Sunday in September, which is found in Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 10, Pastor Lee is not talking about your financial indebtedness, but rather the debt we have to love one another. Paul says in his letter to Christians in verse 8, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. In this sermon, Pastor Lee lays out four ways to live out this indebtedness to love one another. An interesting aside, recently we were visiting with our dear friend Mary Ann Carey. She was sharing how she respected my father for having an open door policy. And not only was the door open, so were his ears. He would truly listen and take feedback and opinions from anyone and everyone. It turned out that coincidentally, just that morning, I had listened to this message. And sure enough, in this recording, you will hear my dad share that one of his ways of trying to pay his debt to love was just that, to hear and accept feedback, even if it was difficult feedback to receive. Good timing, Marianne. I know I sound like a broken record. Oh yeah, for those under the age of 50, you can Google the word record. That will explain how they could possibly break and how the term broken record became a cliche. Uh, oh yeah, back to the broken record. I know I sound like a broken record, but it is fascinating how these sermons from Pastor Lee, given back in the late 1980s, are still so relevant. But then it struck me that sin is timeless and eternal. Sin will be among us for as long as we inhabit this planet. But along with sin being a constant amongst humanity, so is God's love. Therefore, our charge is for God's love to flow through us to other people. I really appreciated Pastor Lee imploring us to, in his words, warn others about going through life without Jesus as their Lord and Savior. It was a good reminder of the sense of urgency for us to be evangelists every day and to share the gospel with others so that they will not spend eternity separated from God. Because we never know, we just never know. Here is Learning to Live in Debt, Pastor Leland Evenson, September 27, 1987. I'm going to take a little survey this morning to find a couple things out, a couple of questions. First of all, I want to know uh, how many people here I owe, how many people I'm in debt to. Somebody back there raised their hand, but they were at the first service. Well, that's kind of a relief. Okay, let me ask a second question. How many people here are in debt to somebody? 
should have raised her hands both times, you know. Did you read the front of the bulletin? Simply what it says is that I am in debt to you. Paul, in the epistle lesson, which I didn't read, but we'll be reading parts of it uh, during the message, says in the international version, which is a little different from the RSV, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. The commandments do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in this one rule, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. We are called to live as people who are in debt. I owe you. If I know the reality of Jesus and of his love and have experienced him personally in my life, then there should be the pressure of love that I sense I have a debt to you to let that love channel through me into your life. What a different world this would be if, if Christians could simply catch on to this simple kind of principle that Paul outlines in this epistle lesson. To realize, and I get up in the morning and get in the traffic, I have a debt of love to every person in the, every other car. The people in the store that I stand in line with or that I serve, or every child I teach in school, as I see some of you teachers, or the nurse who every patient she sees, and, and on and on it goes. Every person in the body of Christ, I owe you. I owe you the love of Jesus, is really what Paul is saying. Wouldn't the difference, wouldn't that make in our marriage? Too often before marriage, people have the right idea, you know, the idea I owe you, and so I owe you love, and every day we try to creatively express it and whispering sweet nothings or little surprise gifts or surprise phone calls, and then after marriage, somehow we often turn it around to what you owe me, and we kind of sit there or stand there waiting for the other person to come forward. And the old nature, the selfish nature, comes through. I owe you, or you owe me. One of those two attitudes prevail in our lives. There's an editorial in a paper uh, some months ago that says, Life's takers only give others hard time employing special selfishness on the job. And it goes on in the whole article to talk about that kind of attitude that's prevalent in our world. You owe me, or people who feel society owes them, the church owes them, the government owes them. They kind of go through life with a chip on their shoulder. They maybe feel that they were an exceptional child or a deprived child. Either one often ends up growing up to feel that everybody else owes them something rather than having a sense of owing everybody else. The person who is at a living encounter with Jesus Whoever understands everything the cross, the resurrection, is about should have that sense of debt. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who crowns you with love and kindness so your youth is renewed like the eagles. The sense of each day being in debt to pay God's love to each person. That little old lady at the 
Ridgedale Shopping Center who stands out there confused as she stood there the other day. I owe her love to go and up and down those aisles and to find her car for her. That obnoxious person in traffic or that one at work who seems set on only gaining his own goals or her own goals. What a difference. This morning, I want to simply take four avenues or four different channels through which this love should be, this debt should be paid. There probably are 40,000 or 40 million, but I simply want to use our text this morning, the three lessons to draw out four different ways that our love can be channeled. The first one is in the beginning of the epistle lesson where Paul says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, he who resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. He ends up by saying to pay our taxes, to whom taxes are due, revenue to whom revenue is due, respect to whom respect, honor to whom honor is due. We can have a sense of owing love by stopping at every stop. When we stop at every stop sign, we are paying a debt of love to everybody else who's in traffic. Or when we keep the speed limit. As Pastor Rich, we were talking about this in our staff meeting and this lesson. And, and that's one way of, of expressing our love and letting the love of Jesus flow through us as we obey the authority of the government in the land. When we're honest in paying our taxes and, and pay what we are responsible, not trying to get out of what is our fair share, we are channeling, we sense we are then in debt to every other citizens of this country. We are expressing our love by honestly paying our taxes, by only taking those insurance claims that are right and honest, not trying to get something out of an insurance company we're not entitled to or shouldn't have then we are, in a sense, expressing the love of Jesus to the society around us and to other people. Often, people seem to think of government and insurance companies as some kind of non-entity and, and that there are not other people involved and somehow I can simply get as much out of them or get, save as much taxes as I can. To do that is not the sense that we owe a debt of love, as Paul says, to live under the authority of government. I often hear of people probably in, in my age group who with their parents are trying to get out of parents uh, paying their fair way when they may have to go to a nursing home and so they turn all their assets over to their children. I think that really is wrong. I think somehow we are asking then everybody else to pay the way for our parents when often legitimately they can do their own and pay their own way. We are not sensing that debt of love that we owe to others in our society and in our welfare system. Paul said we have a debt, a debt of love. Richard Halverson, who writes, who was a chaplain in the Senate, writes a perspective letter from couple times a month and one of them says we've <clears throat> come a long way from the principle of inalienable rights for which our forebears risked their lives their fortunes and their honor human rights had degenerated into I can do as I please or if it feels good do it our ancestors laid down their lives for human rights we made them payable on demand freedom has been reduced to license John Paul a 
writer who has written many books, and one of them called Unconditional Love, says, my Christian vocation is to love all people. This means that I must try to do for each person with whom I interact whatever I can to promote that person's growth and happiness. That means traffic on Monday morning, as well as worship on Sunday. It means going into my home and family to promote their growth and happiness. And every citizen of this country, without government, love lacks coordination. Government provides an orderly way to express our love for one another. The story is told about the early days of slave trade, how there were 200 slaves on this one ship. And uh, suddenly they got loose. They were all down the hole, but they, they were able to untie and get loose. And suddenly they came up on deck and they just overpowered the crew and began to throw them overboard in their zeal for freedom. And finally they had overtaken the ship. They were free in the midst of the great Atlantic Ocean with no one to man the ship, no one to give it direction. Free but helplessly trapped in the grip of the sea. And so many people today, too, are throwing overboard our... The, the absolutes, the authority of our land, the authority which comes under the umbrella of God's authority. Once we break down that authority of the absolutes, then each one of us becomes a God unto ourselves. We owe a debt. We can fulfill part of that love through how we live under the authority of our country. The second way is talked about in the gospel, the love directed toward those in the church. If your brother sins against you, go and <clears throat> tell him his fault. That's also love. Often today we have the term intervention, where people who are chemically dependent, we gather loved ones, friends, people who work with them and gather around them, trying to intervene in terms of their self-destruction and destructing, destroying their family. We need to be interveners also in the body of Christ. When someone sins against us, rather than isolating them or going talking to everybody else, Jesus says you go to that person. You owe them that kind of love, not to allow them to continue. Even as our little children, we discipline them. We don't allow them to continue in some rebellious ways, self-destructive ways. We go to that child. So Jesus is saying in the body of Christ, you go to that brother or that sister you owe them that kind of love, not to isolate them, but to help them, to intervene on their behalf. Certainly it's a risk. There are people who, whose lives I have been isolated from because I have been willing to take that risk. But once I let a woman die of cirrhosis of the liver and I said, I will never do that again, I will take the gamble to go because of that sense of love that I should have for that person who may be destroying themselves and others. <clears throat> it says in Proverbs, better is open rebuke than hidden love. And in Proverbs 27, 5, it says, kisses of the enemy may be profused, but faithful are the wounds of a friend. I appreciate people who come to me who don't isolate me, who don't talk to somebody, who come to me and say, hey, you've sinned against me. Maybe it's in some indifference, maybe it's in 
lack of thought, whatever way it may be, they come to me and I sense often, most often in them, a sense of love and concern for me, not for themselves, but for my life and for my witness. We need to be more and more assertive in, this, in the body of Christ. I like that Peanuts cartoon where <clears throat> Linus says to Charlie Brown, where are you going, Charlie Brown? And Charlie says, the teacher wants me to go and see the nurse about my eye. She saw me winking at that little red-haired girl. She thinks something's wrong with my eye. What am I going to tell the nurse? As he walks down the hallway, he says to himself, I never knew love could be so much trouble. Love mot motivates us to get involved, like the Good Samaritan, like Nathan going to David, risking his very life, because as king, David could have had him beheaded in no time at all. But see, Nathan loved David enough to go and to confront him with his sin and with the direction of his life. So there needs to be that kind of, that we owe that to every person in the body of Christ. For their kind of behavior, and if they sin against us, they probably are doing it against others. And they're destroying themselves. If someone is sick, we certainly go and intervene. Sin is a sickness. It affects us in various ways. <clears throat> when people get uh, cats in their home, as my daughter has a couple of, one of the things they find out soon that they need to get the front they need to get them declawed because they are destructive with the claws that they have. As Christians, we need to have others declaws because our tongue can be sharp and scratching our lives or our attitudes. And so we need those who would come to us in love and help us to be declawed so we can learn to live in the body of Christ. Paul said, don't split from them, fit them. Fit them back into the body in love. Go to someone. Today there may be someone in the body of Christ, whether here or someplace else. And the word of the Lord for you today is, you owe them love. The third way is in when Jesus says, Again, I say, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. A visitor came up to me this morning. Who They come here <clears throat> once in a while. They live across town. And first thing she said to me, I've been praying for you all summer. Now, over the two years, that's often the first thing that people say who I haven't seen for a while or some I have seen, I am praying for you. And that's really saying, I love you. But my debt of love to you at this point, I am paying to you by prayer. And that's really what Jesus would say. Prayer is that kind of place where I can express my love for others by bringing them to the throne of grace. There's a little game we used to play, I remember a few years ago when they were in the kind of games in terms of sensitivity and that. One was to have a person uh, stand in the center of a circle and have other people around them and that person was to fall every different way and, and to just kind of stiff, be stiff and fall and whichever way they fell there were people there to uphold them. 
And it was kind of idea of trusting people in that circle of love. So for our lives, there should be a circle of Christians around us that love us enough to hold us up by prayer. We owe a debt of love. In the heart of every true believer, there's born a new concern for, for people, for the people of the world. He wept over Jerusalem. Jesus loved Peter, and he said, Peter, I'm praying for you that you won't fall away. That was his way at that point for showing his love for Peter. Other times he was very confronting with Peter. There were also those moments when he simply prayed, and that was love. Ron Schneider said, Christian fellowship is an unconditional availability to and an unlimited liability for other brothers and sisters. Availability and unlimited liability for every brother and sister. We have a debt of love. To live in debt is to live with that sense of prayer being a way that I express God's love for others. <clears throat> the final one is in the Old Testament lesson that we heard read for us from Ezekiel. I've made you a watchman. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. I never knew love could be so much trouble. It is trouble because it involves us with people who are, don't know the Lord and seem not to want to know the Lord. We warn people. We warn people who smoke cigarettes. We have warnings on the billboards and warning, warning in every package of cigarettes. This can be hazardous to your health. <clears throat> we warn people about tornadoes. And we warn people in terms of traffic signs and terms of not going too fast around the curb or stopping at a dangerous intersection. But the greatest warning, you see, the greatest love expressed is for us as Christians to warn those who do not know the Lord about a Christless eternity. That not to know the reality of the Lord is to end up in what Jesus calls hell. Daniel Webster once said, the most important thought I ever had was that of my individual responsibility to God. And that's what Ezekiel is saying, that we are responsible for others. If we know the Lord, then we are responsible. We have a debt of love to every person who doesn't know the Lord. He says to you and me, what did you do with the love poured into your heart? You see, God's love isn't intended to simply take a U-turn and go back to him. God's love is meant to flood through us into the lives of other people. Can you imagine standing in eternity and someone we have known said, why didn't you love me enough to tell me that I needed to know Jesus? That's the hardest kind of love and yet the most important kind of love. During the uh, Sunday school, and if you haven't been into these videos, you want to get in. They're just starting on the second one next week. She has a real gift in talking about evangelism. She talked about the most obnoxious person <clears throat> that she thought would never come to know the Lord and that this person was the first one to come to know the Lord. Sometimes we're taken in, taken in by masks and by what people seem to portray as being ungodly and uncaring. 
but they are hungry and thirsty, as we sense in this survey taken in Minnesota. KTIS had a story about a little boy who was walking down the sea and there was all these starfish laying on the, on the sand and he was tossing them back into the sea. There are just all kinds of them. And an older man was following him and said, What are you doing, son? He said, I'm throwing these starfish back into the sea because if I don't throw them into the sea, they won't live. And the older man said, Well, son, that's an impossible task. I mean, you look at all of you just look down this, this shore and you see all of them and you can't even see as far as this seashore goes and there's just all kinds of them. What difference will it make for those that you're tossing back? The little boy looked at the one he had in his hand. He says, it makes a difference to this one. And he tossed it back into the sea. It makes a difference to that person that you know reality of heaven and hell. And that's what Ezekiel's talking about, to warn the reality of eternity, to know Jesus, to know his salvation. We are overwhelmed with the many who don't know him. But it makes a difference one by one as the Lord brings people into our lives. We owe a debt of love to that person who doesn't seem interested, to the agnostic or the atheist, to allow that love, to love the unlovable and the unlikely and the ungodly. For God's love is spontaneous and compassionate and universal and unilateral and excessive and creative. And if we know him, it says in 1 John, if we know we have passed from death to life because we love We're in debt if we know him. And somehow that love should create a pressure in us that for every person we meet, I owe you the love of Jesus, whatever their needs, and certainly the needs of those who don't know him at all, the need to witness and to share who he is. There's a story that I close with that comes out of World War II, a sad story, about a little 10-year-old boy who was Jewish and lived in a small Polish village. And he and all the other Jews were rounded up by the Nazi troops and sentenced to death, and they had to <clears throat> dig their shallow ditches, as we've read about and seen. And they were lined up against the wall and then machine-gunned, and their corpses fell into the shallow grave and the Nazis covered their bodies with dirt but none of the bullets hit this little boy but he played dead and his naked body was spattered with the blood of his parents as he fell into the ditch and pretended to be dead the grave was so shallow <clears throat> that the thin covering of dirt did not prevent him from breathing and so several hours later when it got dark he crawled out of his grave with blood and dirt caked over his little naked body he made his way to the nearest home and begged for help. The woman answered the door and immediately recognized him as one of the Jewish boys marked for death by the Nazis and she screamed at him to go away and slammed the door. Dirty and bloody and shivering, the little boy limped from one house to the next begging for help, but he always got the same response. People were afraid to help, for he was Jew. 
Finally, in desperation, he knocked on a door. And just before the lady of the house could tell him to leave, he cried out, Don't you recognize me? I am the Jesus you say you love. The lady froze in her tracks for what seemed like an eternity to the little boy. Then with tears streaming down her face, she threw open her arms. She picked up the boy and took him inside to safety. Do you recognize him? You see, he comes in disguise. He doesn't come as that nice, sweet Jesus that we often think he comes. He comes in that obnoxious person that you're working with, maybe, or that relative, in that bragging person, in that immoral person, in that irritating person. He comes in that little child. He comes every day. And we have a debt. A debt of love. God's love is not meant to make a U-turn in our lives and simply go back to him. Where Jesus said, as you've done it on to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it on to me. Do you recognize him? You owe him that love from the cross that he too or she too might sense new life. You're the port of entry into people's lives, the port of love. Let us pray. Lord, I ask you to bring to mind at least one person for each of us that we maybe have forgotten to pay a debt of love to. Maybe it's our very own husband or wife or son or daughter, mother or father. Maybe it's somebody in the body of Christ that we've ignored and isolated. Maybe it's that person who doesn't know you. And so when they're outside, we make sure we're not out there because we don't like their language or their style. Lord, bring that person into the mind of every Christian here by your Holy Spirit, that one person that they begin with, that one starfish they would throw back into the sea, that one person that would be Jesus to them. And Lord, forgive us when we haven't recognized you because you come in disguise. Bring that person to mind for each person here. And Lord, if there is someone here who doesn't know you, who lives rejecting you, who lives because someone hasn't shared your love. May they come to you this day. May they invite you, Lord, into their lives. May they come and kneel and say, Lord, I want you. I need you, for I am thirsty and hungry for life, for love, and for all that you are, and for the hope of eternal life. In Jesus' name. Amen.
so to who do you owe the love of Jesus? To love no matter what, no matter whom. Are you feeling in debt? We need to. Do you also sense a responsibility to others? We should. And as Pastor Lee shared in his story about the young Jewish boy, what will you do? How will you respond when Jesus comes to you today? In someone, in some situation, at some moment in time, will you recognize him? These are a few questions that Pastor Lee left us with today in his sermon, Learning How to Live in Debt. Special thank you to Spencer, who continues to be a big help with the production of this podcast, and to Lee for his distribution, and Shauna for helping with the website and other social media. Until next time, remember to keep the main thing the main thing. <laughs>